Welcome back to The Short Game. This is a show about short video games, games that respect your time. I am Reagan Kelly, and this week I am joined by my two very cool co-hosts... Nate Heininger. And Shane. And uh, Laura couldn't make it this week, but she sends her regards. Uh, this week we are talking about the bundle for racial justice and equality. So uh, before we get into talking about games, this is a video game podcast. If you caught our, our note last week uh, in the feed... You know, you know that you know, we're doing this because, well, first of all, uh, the bundle for racial justice and equality is an amazing bundle. So there's something to talk about for us there. Um, but also, this is a really, uh, really important time for people to be paying attention to what's happening, listening to the voices of the protesters and activists and just people that uh, have had enough of uh, police brutality and racism and just it, it's a it's a really important time to be listening our, our strength as a podcast is not in our political commentary or fiery rhetoric or really anything related to these sorts of anything that would be useful in, in a conversation like we're having right now about racial justice and equality so while I can't really feel like I can do much use, I'm, 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 a, I'm a much better listener than I am a speaker on these topics. Um, and, I, you know, I, I care deeply about it, but I also feel like there's definitely other podcasts out there, other people out there who do a better job of advocating for my own opinions, the opinions that I share with a lot of these protesters and uh, th- than I would be. I'm not, I'm not the, you know, I might be on it talking into a microphone, but I'm not a spokesperson on this stuff. And I want people to go out and find those voices and listen to the conversation that's happening out there. I do want to say I'm not on a podcast like this to, to, to voice a big opinion. However, we do, it is very clear, live in a time where racial injustice and inequality and especially police brutality against black people is a reality and it's prevalent and it's more and more visible to everyone. And so I, I do think that it's important for all of us to take a stand where we can and to find a way to help support the protesters and the, uh, the the people who are working to make the world a better place. I think it's wonderful what Itch has done here by creating this bundle, which has now raised something like some millions of dollars. Yes. Last time I looked, it was $6,303,118.72. And I would I would love it if all of our listeners supported it. Um, but this is not the only, or maybe even the best, certainly not the the most effective way that you can support a cause if you believe in it. Um, I, I've personally been giving money to a, a rotating bail fund that is designed to basically support people who are protesting police brutality through bail money to. Uh, help them get uh, out from under uh, prosecution, often unjust prosecution. And I don't want to get too much into uh, anything else about it because this is not really my, uh, well, I say this isn't really my fight, but it could be all of our fights because it is, it, when when some people aren't free in your society, nobody's free. So 
I don't want to talk too much about this before we talk about video games, but it's true. Yeah, we have to though, right? I mean, we we should. Um, I I'm like Reagan. I struggle to put to words. I think you both put it way better than I could. So I'm not. I'm gonna not repeat um, exactly what the two of you said. Uh, just that I struggle to say what I what I feel in this time. Uh, I I struggle at times to talk about video games eloquently and accurately. Uh, I, <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> I uh, can't imagine uh, saying anything that would be uh, new or, or or interesting or worthwhile beyond showing my support. Yeah, uh, I would call out uh, a local organization called Forward Through Ferguson that uh, we've donated to here in St. Louis that I uh, recommend. Uh, they're doing great work. So, uh, yeah, this this bundle, though, is wonderful. Yeah. So we're just here to express solidarity. Uh, one of the ways this bundle, though, <laughs> this, this a lot of games, yo, <laughs> this bundle, yo, guys. So all of that said, this this is a video games podcast. And our our main thing that we do, I, you know, I might not be the most eloquent speaker about uh, about topics like racial justice and equality, but you know what? We can talk about video games on this show, and I think we're pretty okay at that. So let's stick to what we're good at and hope that in some small way this supports that cause. If you haven't already purchased the bundle for racial justice and equality, you can go to itch.io and it'll be on the front page. Uh, as of this recording, uh, it is still there. If you're listening to this, depending on how long you wait to listen to the show, it might not still be there. Hopefully you checked it out based on our earlier recommendations. Um, but the bundle for racial justice and equality has well over 1000 games in it uh, and 1,659 items. So lots and lots of things that are games or are games related. And uh, you can give as much money as you want. That money will be going to uh, the NAACP. Um, oh, I don't have it in front of me. They're, they're, uh, they're, they have a bail fund and also there's a, a separate fund. It's being split between that and a, an education fund. And I don't remember the name of the two funds. Um, but good causes both. Um, and this is a really historic bundle. This is – no, I, I've had um, – I've had my doubts – or misgivings about the entire concept of bundles. Certainly, I've been uh, I've been somebody who's bought humble bundles over the years, um, and at first that felt really great. And over the years, it started to feel like it was maybe a way of like devaluing games or something like that. But this one really feels different to me. First of all, because it's raising money in a time where money is desperately needed for things like these bail funds, and it's uh, it's raising a ton of money. And it's just an absolute explosion of games. Um, and so the first thing I wanted to talk about was just to kind of point out uh, some of the games in the bundle. There's over a thousand games in here. It took me 30, 45 minutes just to scroll through the list of games. And I'm talking about a triple decker, like lots of little gifts scrolling by at pretty much full speed kind of thing. So it's enormous and almost impossible. Mouse, dude. Yeah, well, I, I know. Um, <laughs> it's impossible to just even get through the list, let alone know where you might want to start in terms of games in this bundle. So there's two approaches we're taking here today. One is I was gonna we're going to talk a little bit about some of the games in this bundle that we already have done episodes on and point you back towards those episodes. Um, there's a lot of them. Then each of us have, have played or focused on a little bit of a different sort of subset of this massive thing. Uh, there's 
1,600 things in here. We haven't even looked at all of them. Um, so we also enlisted some of our listeners. We've got a bunch of listener responses uh, for things that they recommend. Um, and even, even then, we won't have scratched the surface. So that's that's sort of the reality of this. But we're going to do our best to talk about some of the good stuff that's in the bundle. Maybe not even most of the best stuff that's in the bundle, just some of the good stuff that's in here. Yeah, this bundle is wild. Uh, you mentioned Humble Bundle. They've got to be shaking right now because I can't imagine ever needing <laughs> to purchase, let alone like not even just a bundle ever again, like another video game again. This has me rethinking my entire stance on having a a, a dedicated video game computer because I'm like, I, I just bought every game I'm ever going to need. Uh, <laughs> it is loaded with hits. Some we've covered, which I'm excited to talk about again, and some that we haven't. Uh, it, it's it's wild and it's so awesome because everybody is donating their work to this and there are some you know big time games in this bundle that again you can get for whatever uh, dollar amount you are, are are able to give it's fantastic it's absolutely worth mentioning here that ev- ev- I don't think we specifically said that every dollar you contribute here and you can start as low as five dollars or you can give as much as you want is going to be split 50-50 between the NAACP Legal Defense and Educational Fund and the Community Bail Fund. So if there is a game on this list, so first off, know that the creators of that game are working for social justice, so that makes me want to play it even more. But if there is a game on this list that you were considering playing, say, for example, you were interested in a game that we've covered like Celeste, That game normally goes for $20. Consider looking at this page and thinking, are there two or three games on this list that you would consider paying full price for? And if so, give that amount. Uh, Five bucks is is great. And I'm sure having a large number of people contribute here really makes a statement. But this money is going to a great cause. And so if you're able to uh, support it at a higher level than five bucks, I would encourage you to do so. There's definitely games on this list that I really have been thinking about buying uh, and have been on the fence uh, about when I would get around to buying them because certainly my my time is always limited. Um, but I, I, uh, I, I'm really glad to have been able to support it higher than the $5 value. Absolutely. Um, and I think a lot of people have done that. If you yeah. look at the average, the average that has been contributed is $10, which tells me that at the very least, like there's a pretty wide distribution of people hitting different amounts there. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure there are, there are people out there who are giving a lot of money. I, I, I mean, I don't want to tell tales on people. I personally put in 20 bucks and, uh, you know, I've also donated a bunch of money elsewhere uh, across this sure. issue. Um, but like, you know, I feel like 20 bucks was like, after I b- put in that 20 bucks later, I started looking at the list and I was like, damn, I should have put in more than 20 bucks. <laughs> Reagan. I actually, I feel the same. I put in, I did 20. Uh, I bought it like the bundle, like the first, you know, like within like a couple hours of it coming out. I was like, this is awesome. Yeah. 20 bucks. I'll get the, at that time, like 600 games. Now it's become it's bigger, better. <laughs> There's so much more. And I'm like, all right, I need to step up my donation somewhere else. Yeah. because I, And I'll tell you, like one of the games that uh, like two days before we, that came out, uh, you and I were talking about doing um, 
I think it's called uh, Sign- Signs of the Sojourner. Yeah, that, yeah, so, yeah. Well, that's still probably going to be an episode of this show in the next couple of weeks, or maybe maybe. Well, and I had I had almost bought that on Switch two days before for twenty dollars. Yeah, and then it's in this bundle. And it's like this is ridiculous. Like it's it is uh, again besides the 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 beautiful purpose of it, just the crazy amount of actual like content and and wonderful games that are worth playing that's in here is mm-hmm. crazy i itch like you the, I, I love itch we've done a lot of stuff from itch but you never know like they they have a, a wide range of games and this bundle has a wide range of games when i saw that many i was expecting it to be a lot of the like free games already that itch has or like a good bundle of free games or really cheap games but um this has everything and there is that from, stuff in there but there's like there's also there top tier stuff yeah, and, I, and before we dive into the games, I just want to say one thing that I think is cool on that note I was just saying is that because you have this wide range of games uh, from things like Celeste that we're about to talk about and these like super indie, maybe one or two dollar games, they're all on this sheet just together. It doesn't separate it anyway. Uh, I'm just scrolling through and playing all sorts of games that I would have never played before uh, mm-hmm. if it wasn't for this bundle. Uh, it, it's reminding me a little bit of our IF comp uh games you know where we just get this like list of games you just read a little description i can't tell if it's going to be like a triple a indie game or if it's going to be like a a single person in their basement i'm the description looks cool i'm going to play it uh and it's led me you know just checking out and seeing new and interesting things that i wouldn't have before yeah absolutely it I, i had a lot of fun just sort of poking through the list and i didn't have any real method to my system i was just sort of going through the list and clicking on things that seemed interesting um so yeah. things that we've covered in the past, just to start quadrilateral cowboy. I know I liked this game a lot better than um, I think the two of you did, but this is a blendo games game. Uh, blendo is the people that made 30 flights of loving. I think blendo games has had more of an impact on the just sort of like way that indie games are made than almost any other indie game company. Uh, 30 flights of loving was like an incredible outsized influence on indie games as a whole. And, and quadrilateral cowboy is a really, really good game. Uh, you are doing, uh, uh, infiltration and hacking in this fully 3d game where you have this physical computer. It's like a laptop that you carry around with you that you use to do hacking in the game. And it's more than like a hacking mini game, like a Bioshock or something. There's like actual like coding, but it's like a super simplified, like puzzleified version of coding. It's an incredibly cool game. I, I 100% recommend it. Um, and it's a, uh, it's, it's like nothing else I've played. I'll say I enjoyed this game when we covered it. It was not my favorite game, but I enjoyed it. That said, it has stuck with me more than games that I had that we've uh, than some of the other games that we've played. You know, I haven't like even revisited it, but I just I think about it more than a lot of other games that we've covered. And I see pieces of other games that make me think, oh, that's kind of like Quadrilateral Cowboy. So it it is really carried with me, even though uh, it was not necessarily my favorite game that we played at that time. We covered Wheels of Aurelia when it was still in beta, I think. So Mm -hmm. it's a game that has come a little ways since when we reviewed it, but it's a very interesting game in terms of presentation. I think it reminds me a little bit of a cross between interactive fiction and something like Outrun. It's a driving game where you are making your way across a coast, um, picking up hitchhikers and talking to them in a very sweet car. 
Um, and it has a little bit of a historical element to it. And um, so it's, if you're, if you're into the vibe uh, of just chilling and driving and talking to really interesting strangers, that could be a good game for you to check out. It's a very fun one, I think. Yeah, I remember going out, meeting people, driving. Oh, God. Do you remember places? Do you remember <laughs> going to them? I do. I do. Mm. Quite. <laughs> well, the next game on the list is one that we talk about all the time on the show. And it not just because uh, it is only a 15-minute game, but also because it has maybe the best title uh, ever in a game, which is Dr. Languskov, the Tiger, and the Terribly Cursed Emerald, a Whirlwind Heist. Oh, hell Hard yeah. Hard to beat that name, right? Hard to beat it. Longer longer name than game. I think it's the whole, it's the whole package. Uh, it's about 15 minutes. It was put out by um, what Crows, 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 I yeah. believe, as one of their first things. Yeah, the uh, it's a it, it's the same um, creators that created uh, the Stanley Parable, or one of the two, I believe. Um, and it has a bit of that same vibe, but it's also 15 minutes long. So if you're staring at your list yeah. of 1,600 some odd things, and you're like, "What can I play in 15 minutes that will definitely be funny?" Then Doctor Langaskov is a yeah. really good pick. Check it out. It's it's something. It's Stanley Parable is one of my favorite games of all time. Oh, yeah. And this is uh, this is great. So, yes. yeah, it, it's it's very unique and it's incredibly short. But we managed to do like an hour and a half episode on it. So while it is very short, there is a lot going on in it. So yes. it's worthwhile. Yeah, that was one of our that's probably the biggest like disparity between length of game and length of episode that I, I mean, we yeah. always do like long episodes on short, short games. But like that was the wildest I think it's our disparity. Record we've yeah. ever had on one of yeah. these things played the game for 15 wow, yeah. minutes and recorded for like li- literally like recorded for two hours and i had to edit it down it was like it was yeah. ridiculous uh the next game on my list here is minute m-i-n-i-t do not sleep on only minute one of your favorite games of all time right it, uh yeah you say uh, that like you say like i'm the only person that like look this game rules dude it's so yeah, good it does rule reagan this was in my top five for the year oh yeah uh, this, this is like maybe this is maybe the short game, short game. Oh, I know. Right? This like, game this got like overlooked, too, in my opinion. Yeah. So, okay, the, the pitch on Minute is that it is a Zelda-like, but you carry a cursed sword that kills you every 60 seconds. Um, and so you have to complete an entire sort of mini Zelda-like adventure. We're talking about, like, it's a very, um, uh, what's that Game Boy Zelda called? I've forgotten the name. Um, uh, Link... Link's Awakening. Link's Awakening. Link's Awakening. It's a very Link's Awakening y kind of game. Um, uh, in fact, it's even got a, a, a single, like a black and white uh, one bit aesthetic in a similar way to a Game Boy game, although it's kind of more of like the the like super detailed but one bit pixel art style that I super love. Uh, but it is, you would think like, how fun could that be if you die every 60 seconds? Well, let me tell you, it is very fun. And it does some incredible stuff trying to pack a full yeah. Zelda-like experience into like this weird timetable thing. Um, so even if you think like dying every 60 seconds doesn't sound fun, uh, think again, it's awesome. This game is really... Overcoming that is a delight. It is yeah. Yeah. absolutely delightful. I cannot recommend it highly enough. It's it's wonderful, and it's uh, you know Devolver, so it's all black and white and uh, <laughs> still beautiful. Uh, they do some really clever ways to uh, expand and 
improve the gameplay while each moment only lasting one minute. It's it's awesome. We covered Wide Ocean Big Jacket uh, a little while back. Not I think it's of of the list we've hit so far, it's the most recent that we've covered. Um, Wide Ocean Big Jacket is a it's almost a poem of a game. I played it on the Switch, but I think it would work well on any platform. It's a, it's a coming of age story about uh, a little road trip that some uh, friends and and uh, relatives take to e- explore the seaside and and all the things that happen to them along the way, things they learn about growing up and about each other. Uh, it is just really nice. Uh, it's a really pretty. Really, really short. I think it takes about maybe two hours to play. And um, yeah, I, I, I definitely recommend it to a lot of people if they if they seem like they're the type that are going to be interested in a game that is much more about story than about mechanics. And, uh, you know, if you, maybe if they're a little bit sentimental. It's a lovely yeah. game. Yeah, I really enjoyed White Ocean Big Jacket. It's got a uh, it's got a nice soundtrack. And it's mm-hmm. uh, it's funny. It's extremely funny and relatable. And uh, it it does a great picture of like what it's like to go on a date when you're 13 or whatever. It's like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but there's parents there <laughs> or not parents, but like an uncle. And, and yeah. I mean, of the games I've played, it has one of the widest oceans and for real, the biggest jacket. It was a very large jacket. Such it a, lives such up a to its game. name for sure. Yeah, this was a very recent cover of ours, so um, uh, definitely recommend checking it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the next game on our list, I actually have not played yet, but I'm very excited to to be the one to bring it up. A short hike. Uh, I have been sitting on this now for months waiting to pick it up and waiting to play and oh. you know good things come to those who procrastinate i got it in this bundle i uh, we have talked number of times about uh bringing this out of bird week putting it on its own platter putting it on its own uh episode doing a short hike focused episode i'm on board for it because i have the game now oh yeah uh, i, well, I don't want to these guys who actually played it sure i will give <laughs> yeah. you the brief uh, pitch which is basically like if you like the the like cute animal characters of something like animal crossing um but you wish they had a little bit more of an inner life and if you like the climbing from breath of the wild but you wish it took place over an incredibly small area uh this is that i don't think anyone basically. had that particular reaction to breath of the wild's <laughs> climbing mechanic there's just these mountains are too big well I okay. climb these Still, okay, a short time is about here. a, uh, your play as, it's a, one of these like Animal Crossing-esque worlds, so you're playing as a, uh, as a bird <laughs> who is going on a camping trip uh, with a relative uh, in order to, it seems like, escape some sort of uh, stressful situation at home uh, that isn't really spoken about in the early part of the game, so I won't spoil. And um, it's about exploring this island that's like a little miniature campsite island. It's a fully 3D world that feels really like like really fleshed out in terms of like being like a, a well-realized 3D place. Um, and it's about climbing the mountain to get to the top of the mountain because you need cell service. Um, and that's the only place on this island where you can get proper cell service. And so uh, it's just a it's just a game about 
climbing, but also it's got all of these little miniature side quests, all of these little people to talk to other animals to talk to, and all of them have their own characterization and their own deal. And like, there's, there's just, it's just lovely. It's just such a really well-made game and you don't have to take our word for it on this one. Um, it won the, uh, Seamus McNally grand prize at IGF which was a huge shock because this is like as indie as it gets, this is produced by a single developer um, and, you know, uh, like really small time release, uh, like no budget, but it has just caught fire in the sort of games critics space. And if you haven't played this, you absolutely should. It's one of the best games I've played in years. I truly love it when a game comes out and, it gets a it it makes a big splash and i find out it was made by just one person mm-hmm. it's i i love that we are in this world of multi million dollar games but there is still room for that like bedroom artur to make something that really connects and i just love that it's just incredible yeah and as someone who did enjoy for the most part the climbing in breath of the wild reagan i have to say your original original pitch for this game did not sound like a fun game but what you have (laughs) described afterwards sounds wonderful well okay (laughs) sorry for my poor pitchmanship um i will call out the next game and that's night in the woods so i've talked endlessly about night in the woods on this show it's just one of those games that like we all have i know we have but like I i think i in particular like i just something about this game just like really deeply connected with me and um you know if you aren't familiar with night in the woods it's a uh it's a 2d uh, game that has the sort of perspective of a platformer, but plays more like a uh, like a slow life adventure game. And uh, you're playing as May Borowski, who is a college dropout who's returned to her sort of dead end town, Possum Springs. Did I mention everyone is an animal in this world? So cats and stuff. May is a cat. And um, May has returned to her dead end town and is reconnecting with friends that she sort of left behind when she left for college. It's clear that she has suffered some sort of like mental breakdown. uh, And so she's sort of there to kind of recuperate, I guess. But there's also really dark, strange things happening. So um, I won't spoil too much, but I'll say that one of the inciting incidents is that they find a severed arm on the sidewalk. And uh, that's an odd thing to find. Um, it's, it's dark, but it's also, and it's political, but it's also incredibly warm and, uh, incredibly like, it just does, it's It's so super funny. I think you have to call out the humor of the game. It's extremely funny. God, it's such a feat of writing, but also such a feat of animation. Like it's gorgeous and it's funny and it's, Mm -hmm. I, I would say if I had to make a list of my like top five or even like top three favorite games this would be this would be in the top three of my favorite games of all time um night in the short game game of the year 2017 yes that's right yeah so 110 percent recommend night in the woods and i mean for not free i'm saying it's free but it's in the bundle but like like you own this game now you pay five bucks you get a thousand things and one of them is night in the woods like go Go play Night in the Woods. I think that regularly goes for 20 bucks, that game. Yeah, totally. One of the earliest games that we covered for the short game uh, is the game Octodad Dadliest Catch. And this was a game that changed my opinion of 
what could make a game fun in some ways because it really controls like absolute garbage. Uh, but it's kind of the point. <laughs> yeah. It's a game where you play a octopus who has uh, dressed up in a business suit and con- gone to live with humans and has blended in so successfully that he has become a dad and raised a family. And <laughs> Shane, I don't know what you're talking about. He looks like a perfectly normal dad to me. He's clearly, he's a normal dad. To everyone, mm-hmm. he appears to be a normal dad. Uh, to you, the player, uh, and to any reasonable outside observer, he's an octopus in a suit. And you, the controls are absurd. Uh, it's one of these games where part of the fun like like the recently covered good job uh part of the fun is trying to accomplish the goals of the game while either causing as little or as much chaos as possible uh it's a it's a really fun one it's a quick play it's got really funny voice acting and really funny concept and story it's got the best theme song of any video game of all time which you'll get in the in the opening title so like download the game and play the opening title song and it's fantastic yeah, yeah it's I been, would argue it's been a for while what since the, I played this one. I think we played it almost five years ago, but it is still worth playing today, I would say. Oh, 100%. Yeah. For what this game is trying to do, this is a perfect video game. <laughs> 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 there is nothing wrong Bold with it. Bold statement, for, for, Nate. <laughs> for what it is. It's so funny. It's so silly. It, it's, it is purposefully obnoxious to play. Uh, it's... It's wonderful. I love this game. It's a fantastic cartoon thing. It's wonderful. Um, yeah. I can't wait, by the way, for their new game that was announced recently. The people that made Octodad have announced their next game, Bug Snacks. Have you guys seen the, the trailer for Bug Snacks? I heard that, but I haven't seen the trailer yet. What's it about? Uh, it's like an island where all these like animals are food and then like the creatures when they eat the food bugs they also are what they eat so they like turn into food themselves it's very strange and very weird looking but super funny looking you just have to watch the trailer sounds great i will i will and the soundtrack to that one is uh caro caro bonito so that's gonna be oh super good so also in this bundle reagan you mentioned night in the woods being a top three game for you uh of all time uh it's night in the woods is also probably for me top 10 top 15 what is top three uh if not that top five for me that's in this bundle is celeste i could not believe that this game is in this bundle uh this is maybe the best platformer game that I've ever played. Uh, it blends really, really challenging platforming with a really nice story, which is an unlikely combo and a phenomenal soundtrack. Uh, and also this game, besides its core sort of main story, there is so much content in this one game. Every level, every area has its main uh, z- 
side. It's side A, then there's side B, and then there's a side C for everything. There are literally hundreds and hundreds of handcrafted specific platforming challenges that are really, really difficult, but also let you choose the degree of difficulty through a number of accessibility options, as well as optional challenges within each uh, stage uh, by the way, by way of these little floating strawberries. So I've been talking about this game for almost probably you've heard me say this game uh, every other episode we've had since that <laughs> game came out. Totally. So I'm not going to talk about it too much more. Just this is one of my favorite games of all time. I still play it because uh, I'm still kind of getting through the the final parts of some of the more challenging stages. Uh, I can't believe that this game exists. It's it's it is. It's wonderful. I, I love this game. Reason enough to get this bundle. Absolutely. Uh, the next game on the list here that I'll shout out is uh, Oxenfree. Uh, this one we played a little while back. It's a uh, basically if you like good dialogue systems, then this is a really interesting game to check out. Um, Oxenfree is a game about a bunch of teens exploring a mysterious island and discovering, you know, dark secrets. Um a lot of the game takes place sort of like walking around the island. Uh, and one of the things that this game does that's incredible is it has a dialogue system that is absolutely like it's a revolutionary dialogue system. It's built for having walk and talk conversations with a large group of teens. Uh, the writing is good, but like the thing that really stands out to me about this game is just the fact that it manages to do incredible things with a with a sort of real time text based dialogue system that I've never seen fully replicated. It's it's really quite good in that way. If you like the idea of a sort of a vaguely 80s teen uh, drama about a bunch of kids exploring dark mysteries, then this is one of the best games that you could pick. And I think it's really, really totally, uh, it's a pretty damn good game and I would recommend checking it out. Yeah, this is the the game that, um, there was like a full year where we played a lot of games that had us saying the phrase spooky teens. And this is probably the top of the spooky teens genre. Oh yeah. Uh, it's the number one spooky teens game uh, in the world. Yeah, probably. Check the Wikipedia page for spooky teens. You will find this game. Yeah, I think so. Micro mages is a game. I was kind of surprised to see in this bundle. This is a really special and unique game and you can play this on a few, in a few different ways, but this is a game that was coded specifically for the original NES this is a game that they started development on in, I think, 2015, and it came out maybe 2017 or so. It's a I think of years 2017 or 18 or yeah, it's, it's more. I think it's yeah, maybe even 2019. I don't know, but it was it's pretty recent. So some very brilliant developers set themselves to the task of learning the 6502 assembly language that is used to code for the original NES and it took them something like two and a half years to build what I think may be the very best game. Not very best game. That's absurd. Uh, one of the most fluid games for the original NES, uh, and a game that totally pushes the original NES hardware to its absolute limits. Yeah. Uh, this is a four-player platformer that is like a score challenge platformer with bosses and all kinds of uh, of gameplay stuff that... If this had come out for the original NES, this would be... We would a, still be talking about it today. Uh, yeah, this would, this would be the like retro game to end all retro games. But this is just a, a, a beautiful 
boundary-pushing game. It's absurd that this game fits in something like 40 kilobytes and can be played literally on an original NES if you, if you get it on a cartridge or you can emulate it. Um, it. It really, really shines as a party game because you can play it four players and I totally recommend doing that. It, it it's it's absurd that you can that you could make this kind of a game um, today um, on that kind of hardware. the The mechanics for it are all about you know using spells and like freezing enemies. There's like wall jumping. There's the the design for it is a beautiful mix of classic NES style graphics and some little advancements over that. It's really, really neat. And I, I, I find it a, a really cool in a variety of different ways, but it is just super fun to play. I definitely recommend it. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, this game was great. And uh, if you were like me and you're thinking, what do you mean this is a game that was made for the NES now? Uh, go and listen to our episode because I had to ask that same question and Reagan explained it to me really well. Uh so go and listen to the episode. It's a great game. Uh, really enjoy it. We played uh, pretty recently a game called Speed Dating for Ghosts that is now on this bundle. And that is a very silly title. And it's a very silly premise. And while the game is silly because of the premise and what you're doing, which is a sort of text-based adventure game, uh, where you are going through a speed dating uh, simulation w- with a variety of ghosts. Uh, this game, what really stood out to me and I believe us in our recording is that it is a very complicated and uh, deep and introspective a- a game that was as funny as it was challenging about death and 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 how you live your life. So I definitely recommend it, uh, but be ready for some existential dread while you play it. Uh, But if all of that doesn't sound very appealing, at least check it out for its art design because it's very clever and very interesting. So recommend it, uh, but this game is not as silly as maybe it's, uh, name or uh, or art would make it appear to be. Yeah, I, I I was really impressed by it, and it's the kind of thing that like there's a yeah. lot of um, surprisingly a lot of uh, dating sim type games in the uh, in the bundle, and some of they they all sort of take different approaches to that. This one is like more of a straight comedy and also has something to say kind of approach rather than uh, leaning towards actual romance, but. Uh, if you are interested in that style of gameplay and want to play something funny, uh, it's I would 100% recommend it. Go check out our episode on yeah. it if you want more details. Um, the next one on on my list here is and man, I know there's a lot of games on this list because we've a ton. There's with 1,600 things, uh, we've covered uh, 16 things out of this bundle as far as I could tell. I may not even have spotted them all. Um, the next one on on my list here is Anodyne, the first one. Uh, we've also done an episode on Anodyne two. Uh, but Anodyne 1 is a great Zelda-like. So I mentioned um, uh, similarity between Minute and uh, Link's Awakening. Uh, this one is also very Link's Awakening, 
but it's a very different take. So uh, if you want to, if you like the high weirdness of Link's Awakening and you want to play a, uh, a Zelda-like that's pretty brief, but also really well regarded, it has some uh, really good ideas. Uh, a few things that are a little bit like, feel like missteps that they kind of corrected for in number two or expanded on, but also like Anodyne 1 was like a really solid uh, Zelda-like that you can get through in a in a pretty reasonable amount of time uh, and and really leans into the weird. Um, so 100% recommend Anodyne and uh, great inclusion in the bundle, like nice game. Pyre is the Third game, I think, from Supergiant Games, who made Bastion and Transistor, both of which are games that I love. And Pyre is a really interesting game. I'm really glad to have seen them include this game in the bundle. Pyre is a game that, to me, felt incredibly original and new Mm -hmm. in a way that I had... A game that I had never seen the like of before. It has kind of two elements to it. Um, one is a bit of a fantasy story that meets with some of your expectations of a, a fantasy RPG, um, but is tied into what is amounts to a sports game. And the overall story I found really compelling. It's about a bunch of... Uh, misfits who have been exiled from the world to this other world uh, where they are completing these games that are essentially rituals that allow them to choose one person to return from exile and, and return to the world as they knew it before. And mechanically, it's really interesting and fun. It has kind of a, a the, the sports element, the ball game that they play is very unique and interesting. Um, the, the, the characters are fun. The world is really intriguing. And I think what I, what I like the best about it, really, really good soundtrack, but I guess you could say that for all the super giant games. Um, the structure of the game was a really compelling one where, um, you are competing in this league uh, of these different people doing these ritual games and if you win, you're able to send one of your characters back into the world, which means you lose them from your team for future games. And so I thought the overall structure um, had this really interesting tension to it that provides a really, really compelling story to go along with your game. So it's like a, a brand new fantasy uh, NBA jam uh, that ties into a uh, story mode that uh, has uh, some really interesting questions to it. I I really enjoy it. I love the character design. I definitely recommend this one. Uh, So I said earlier, Night in the Woods was the short game 2017 game of the year, and that is true. However, Pyre was my personal game of the year 2017. Honestly, Uh, good pick too. That was such an amazing game. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I've always described it as a a visual novel meets wizard basketball. Uh, and one thing that I love that they managed to do, Shane, you mentioned how you kind of pick your, uh, the teammates that you, uh, will send to the other side. There's two interesting elements to that. One is that on the other side, the people that are being exiled, you're starting, you're trying to basically facilitate a revolution, which adds some really interesting choices to who you decide to exile. And then, uh, also because it's a real bummer, 
to exile people or to lose people on your team. And there's some really compelling arguments for who you should or should not uh, send to the other side. It's the only sports game that actually compels you at times to maybe lose a game. And I've never felt that in any game that is like a sports game. So it's very, very interesting. Yeah, I know a lot of folks uh, have, I've definitely seen folks who like enjoyed previous Supergiant games and for whatever reason didn't play Pyre or, you know, thought it didn't connect with them or something like that. Um, and first of all, if you if you liked Supergiant's previous games and you haven't played Pyre, go play Pyre. It's fantastic. It's a different game than their other games. Like, it's very different from Transistor or Bastion. But uh, in my opinion, it's their best game. Uh, and, uh, I, you know, I know that there's there's varying opinions about that. Transistor is also an absolutely brilliant game, and I loved it very much, too. But uh, Pyre, I think, is their best. It's the top of of their heap. And one of one of my, like, it, it's got so many brilliant ideas so brilliantly executed go listen to our episode on it i'll talk about it a lot more there (laughs) yeah all right we're almost through this list we just got a couple more games so 2064 read only memories is a visual uh visual novel um there's a few gameplay elements to it later but for the most part you are mostly just sort of clicking through a very interesting cyberpunk story. We actually talked about this a little bit too in our recent episode, The Red Strings Club. And while the game itself was fine, um, it's a little long. It's like eight or 10 hours. I will say we did this episode many, many years ago. And I think about the story and the visual element of this game a lot. It has stuck with me. I ultimately really enjoyed this game. It took a little while to get into it, took a little bit to to care about the characters and, and to really understand what it was trying to accomplish. But by the end of it, I was really glad I'd taken the time mm-hmm. to play through the whole thing. Yeah, and you know, this is a bit of a weird thing to say, but I'll just I'll, I'll just put it out there. Um if for whatever reason you hadn't played 2064 read only memories because of some of the controversy surrounding it, one of the lead uh, heads of the studio, Matt Kahn essentially kind of got me tooed. Um, uh, you can feel uh, you can, you can play this game with a totally clear conscience. If you purchase it as part of a bundle for racial justice and equality, where they are contributing <laughs> the game for free and you are paying money only to uh, racial justice causes. What a wonderful way to try this thing out. If for some reason you'd held off for that reason. So, uh, you know, consider it. <laughs> I think the game looks really, go. really awesome and still plays pretty well, particularly if you, uh, if you like the point and click adventure style and don't mind sort of the more uh, visual novel style. Like we, as a, as a podcast, we tend to have a lot of trouble with visual novels. So um, if that's not you, then you may respond better to this than, than we did at the time. Um, Story's great. They've done uh, like expanded the universe with like spinoff comics and stuff since. So uh, it's definitely a cool world and uh, and great graphics and and the music is fantastic. So uh, definitely recommend that one if you are the sort that likes yeah. visual novels. Um, and the last game on our list. Wow, it took us a while to get through that. Uh, last game on our list is Pikuniku. Pikuniku was a platformer that we played last year. And it's real weird. 
Um, but there's more to it than you'd think. It's uh, let's see those legs. Yeah. So it has the best leg animation of any video game of all time. Pikunuku, you play as a, a sort of a red oval with little tappy tappy legs. Um, and it's hard for me to really explain apart from that, like it's a, uh, it's a, no, I think you nailed it. You nailed it. Red oval with tappy tappy legs. Yeah, I don't it, think we need to say anything more. No, it's a charming platformer game. Uh, I 100% recommend checking it out. It has a nice vibe, um, but it also has a sort of an adventure to it. And there is more story than meets the eye with this game. There's more going on than you'd think. If I remember correctly, it had a little bit of a anti-capitalist bent to it. Which Absolutely. It's got a lot of uh, variety in the gameplay. It's not like straight platforming. It's more just sort of like about um, moving pl- from place to place and experiencing like offbeat story elements. And I, I would recommend it 100%. Uh, really enjoyed that one. So we've just gotten through a great big list. Uh, If you are interested in any of these games, uh, we have episodes on every single one of the ones we just talked about. And uh, if you want to find them, you can either scroll back in your podcast app. Hopefully it has a search feature. We've been going for five years. Um, Also, if you happen to not be able to find one of these, some of these games are kind of what we'd think of as like before the the fold on our uh, on our podcast feed. Our podcast feed system, our CMS, only lets us show you the last 150 episodes in your podcast app. But if you uh, go to uh, the theshortgame.net and you go to our show notes page, so again, sorry for slight jank here. Uh, the best way to find these episodes, if you're looking for them, is go to the show notes page. And there's a search box there and you can search our entire archive. And that includes episodes going back all the way to episode one, including episodes that won't be appearing in your podcast app for CMS reasons. So uh, if you want to listen to those, they are they are 100 percent of them still available, even if they don't show up in your feed. Just go back and check them out. Yeah. And every once in a while, we'll re-release some of these episodes into our feed, uh, calling them short game classics. Uh, If there's a game that is not in our uh, most recent 150, which is still crazy to say, uh, but you would like it actually re-released into the feed or you think it's worthwhile to be re-released into the feed, let us know. Yeah, I can do that easy. Um, so uh, let's dive into our personal recommendations. Each of us has spent the last week just sort of poking around in the thousand plus items here. And uh, all of us have a few things to point to. Uh, We're going to try and keep this brief. Um, None of these are things that we've spent a ton of time with. I've played a bunch of little things, but mostly I've spent like an hour or less with each. So, um, you know, we're not going to be giving like final decisive, you know, uh, opinions or verdicts on anything here. But we're just going to try to point you to the stuff that we've been checking out that is new to us in the bundle. Um, Nate, do you want to go first? So I, yeah, I dip my toes into a bunch of different games. Uh, and um, really the one game that I actually played for a, a longer amount of time and the one that I am prepared to talk about in this and you know mostly recommend is a game called Super Win the Game, which is a fantastic game name. I was sold right out of the gates. It also has a great... Uh, graphic uh the the overall packaging of this game is fantastic uh i'm not the best at uh my video game generations but i believe this game is really trying hard to emulate a super nintendo era video game uh it 
to the degree that it actually, and Reagan, I think this is something that'd be interesting to you. Uh, I was mostly lost in the settings. It has a lot of display settings, mm. uh, a lot of graphic settings in the in the options that include varieties of different CRT emulations. Oh, good. And whatnot. Oh, good. Yes. Yeah. That is my shit. So I, it's very much yours. I am a little lost in it. Um, I was Rick playing like, it ooh, on fiddly settings. Ooh. Yeah, I, I was on my uh, MacBook playing it, playing it in a, a v- variety of good to bad looking as I messed around with the different settings. But it was obviously something that they cared about and something that they committed to, which I think is cool. And there's obviously a market for it. Uh, and that is currently at least one third of the people on this podcast. Uh, so what it is, though, is it's a platformer uh, that has sort of an overworld that you're traveling from uh, area to area, uh, accomplishing basic platforming things, getting new uh, skills uh, to, that allow you to platform into new areas. It, it was very standard. You know, you basically have like one thing you can do, which is move forward and jump, though there are items that you pick up in the world that impact the world and the things that you can do. Uh, it's as far as I got into it, uh, the platforming was pretty good. Um, it's, it was fun. Gravity felt good. Overall, I enjoyed it. It has a whole story that is fine. There's kind of a lot going on to it. They've built like this whole world uh, that I enjoyed, though. Again, I've not gotten far enough into it to really understand everything that's going on, but they definitely went for it with this game as far as, uh, <laughs> you know, adding like an overworld and towns and characters and things like that. Uh, so I recommend it so far. Um, you know, I love a platformer and I love a platformer that uh, tries to add some depth to it. And I appreciated their commitment to uh, maintaining their, like the, 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 the bit of it being like a retro game. So uh, yeah, check it out. It's good. Yeah, I uh, I was trying to remember this. Why this sounded so familiar? It is the sequel to a game from 2012 called "You Have to Win the Game," and I have played that. I was like, "Have I played this?" I'm not sure. No, I've played I've played the original one. You have to win the game, which was a freeware game. Um, but I've never played nice. this, and I'm not even sure I knew it existed. So now I'm really excited to go check it out. I love retro style platformers and I think this seems to be a pretty well regarded one. Uh, it came out in 2014, so it's not exactly brand new or anything, but um, I am definitely, I'm definitely going to play this. Uh, thank you for letting me know that it's in the bundle. Cause I didn't, I swear to God, I must've scrolled right past it. Yeah. It feels like a maybe future episode, you know um, I'm going to play some more and see if it has, you know, the depth of a 15 minute game like Dr. Langislav that uh, we, uh, that we normally require for our episodes. Uh, but yeah, it, it's, it's cool. Um, I, I, I think there's some good stuff in there and especially I didn't realize it was from 2014, which, you know, at this point, you know, that's, what is that? 20 years ago, I think. So, uh, pretty, pretty cool that it came out at that point. I can't wait to check this out. I, it looks really fun. Yeah, that sounds fun. Um, I have I played a bunch of different stuff, but mostly not a whole lot of any one individual thing. So I'm going to kind of shotgun approach through this, uh, through like what I've been spending my time checking out this week. 
Uh, first thing is a game that I wanted to play for a long time. It's called Sky Rogue. I've been on the verge of buying this game on itch and other platforms where I've seen it show up several times because the aesthetic is really cool. It's a dogfighting game. Uh, that's in 3D with a sort of a cell shaded or very like like low poly aesthetic. It looks awesome. And I, I was excited to boot it up. And then I almost immediately realized, oh, I'm actually really bad at this type of flying. Um, so I found it really, I was gonna really say, hard. I feel like you should clarify. I feel like you should clarify dogfighting game. Yeah, excuse me. <laughs> dogfighting in the in the air to air combat sense. So this is a game about flying futuristic, low poly, like uh, super uh, like day glow painted airplanes. Um, and usually sort of like on missions. So you've, you've got a mission that usually involves like bombing a, a site on the ground while fighting off airplanes. Um, and it's really well done and, uh, like super well executed. And I found myself just having an absolutely hellish time playing it. Uh, not, not like in that it was like really, really unfun. It was just, I was just not good at it. Um, I think it made me realize we have an, an upcoming episode on a game called Luftrouser. Oh, excuse me. We, <laughs> we have an upcoming episode on a game called uh, Jet Lancer that is a air-to-air combat game, but it's in 2D. Uh, something about 3D flying, uh, like I can manage a 3D game that's on the ground, but you add that like literal like vertical axis, like I find myself getting flipped over and turned around a lot. But if you are in the mood for a, a you know, air-to-air combat jet fighter game, this is a really good one. Uh, and it has a cool aesthetic, a cool soundtrack. I would recommend checking it out. Uh, I played a bit of Extreme Meat Punks Forever. This is a game that seemed extremely up my alley, and I didn't quite connect with it, but I intend to continue it and finish it because uh, I, th- I feel like I'm right on the verge of connecting with the characters a little bit. Uh, Extreme Meat Punks Forever is a game about mech pilots uh, in a world in which pretty much everybody seems to have a mech, but the mechs are all made out of meat, and it's gross. And uh, the the meat punks are a kind of a fight club of anti-fascist, mostly queer, uh, like uh, mech pilots uh, who fight against like fascist punks in their small town. And they 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 uh, they band together and run away from from dirty cops and uh, and and fascists. Um, And it's extremely punk. This is the punkest game I have ever seen. Uh, it's It's got this sort of like punk zine aesthetic. All the character art is this sort of like black and white line art. All the backgrounds are mostly made up of like flat colored ASCII art. It's like it's like the most zine ass thing I've ever seen in a video game. Um, but it's the writing is good and funny. Uh, I was just, I didn't quite connect with the characters in the two chapters that I played, but I kind of feel like I'm right on the verge of it and I really want to continue with it. So I'm going to continue and give it, give it another shot. Um, it's just, you know, with a lot of games, uh, I didn't spend more than, spent about an hour on it. Um, loot rascals, (laughs) loot rascals is a, I, I can't believe I didn't know this game existed and it's really good. And Nate, I think in particular loot rascals would be your thing. Loot rascals is it looks it looks like so your thing. Um, I I don't know anything about it other than the title and the title sounds right. Up. I, I consider myself a bit of a loot rascal. Uh, <laughs> I, I will say I tried to download this because uh, I saw the name and it's Windows only. So I just I was on my Mac when I was playing. Yeah, it's on game, other so platforms. When too, you say but something's like, going to be Nate's Nate's thing, I automatically assume it's like a a Masso core 
platformer with deck building elements. You're right about the second <laughs> part. It has deck building elements and, uh, and it has, um, uh, roguelike elements. So, um, but it's also extremely British. Like it's got a very British humor style to it. Uh, you land on this alien planet that is a, a theme park and you're trying to rescue the head of your robot friend who's been, uh, been trapped by this weird dark creature from below, um, this like evil creature that's like haunting the theme park. And, uh, the thing that I thought was most interesting about it is that it's totally turn-based, but it masks its turn-based nature by having like, like real-time control of your character. Uh, so everything's on a hex grid and you can kind of freely walk around, but every time you pass from one hex into another, it advances the turn counter. Um, and so you have to be very careful about like, okay, when am I going to go from one hex to the next? Because there's things like a day night cycle that happens and certain creatures can only be fought during the day versus at night. Um, as you kill creatures, you're collecting cards that you use to do this sort of very simple math, uh, to, or excuse me, maths because it's British to, uh, to create, like to, to set your stats. Um, so it's, it's like, it kept, keeps the, um, the strategy element simple and fast paced <clears throat> while also being like just enough strategy, uh, to definitely feel like there's really something here. Um, so I played about two hours of this and I quite liked it. And, um, there's, there's definitely a lot more to it. I don't know how short gamey it is, uh, cause I don't know how long the game is, but I would definitely recommend checking it out. And I also found out this is the same developer as Wilmot's Warehouse, which is something we've been talking about potentially covering on the show um, at some point. You guys know me so well. I am definitely going to check that out. Uh, Some of that stuff definitely is super appealing to me. And you mentioned the the real-time element to it. Uh, That's really interesting because, uh, you know, obviously – uh, long-time listeners of the show will know basically my favorite game of all time is FTL hmm. and like a million different games at this point get compared to FTL and they never are anything like it. And I think it's almost always because they're missing the, that real time element that FTL brought. Hmm. So uh, maybe, maybe this will be something like that. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I could see the comparison because it does like it, you can freely walk around at whatever speed you want and it feels real time in that sense. But like, depending on how, like where you step essentially, Essentially, that's when you're uh, when you're advancing the turn counter. Um, it's a really neat kind of uh, merger of like real time and turn base that I haven't seen done in exactly that way before. So uh, recommended. Yeah. Um, next one on the list, Glitter Mitten Grove. Uh, the less said about it, the better. Uh, I, I don't know. I I feel like okay. If you don't want spoilers of the what is Glitter Mitten Grove, because this is a thing where spoilers are potentially important, uh, then skip forward by maybe twenty seconds. Glittermitten Grove is Frog Fractions 2. If you hadn't heard that before, mm-hmm. if you're not familiar with Frog Fractions, we've talked about it on this show. Uh, Frog Fractions 2 is, was released stealthily as Glittermitten Grove, which appears on the surface to be a cutesy fairy uh, real-time strategy game where you're building a city of fairies and gets weirder and weirder as it goes. I haven't gotten much to the weird stuff yet because I'm not very good at the strategy, so that's where I'm at with it, but I'm excited to play more. Uh, Eat Girl is a sort of weird twist on pac-man and uh it gets weirder and more somber and difficult as it goes and it was interesting because it made me realize how much i would like to play more games like this because i really really like the sort of very basic top-down maze chase of pac-man but i like things like this that put a twist on it where every every single uh 
map or board or, or, or maze or whatever it is has a different little twist, a different type of enemy, a different type of layout, new elements like boxes that you can break if you're going at certain speeds, that kind of thing. So, um, it's really weird. Uh, or really good, but it's also weird because it has a sort of a mournfulness to it and a kind of a creepiness to it. It's hard to explain. It's simple pixels, but like the the enemies act in bizarre ways. It has a it has a light sort of dusting of horror that seems like just on the periphery of it. Interesting stuff. Uh, played Hot Pot Panic. It is a game in which you go to a hot pot restaurant with a friend. If you haven't eaten hot pot, first of all, it's delicious. You should do that. But the idea is that you have a pot at your table and you're cooking things and eating them as you go. You kind of got a kind of pot where you put things in it, wait for them to cook and then take them out and eat them immediately. Um, so in Hot Pot Panic, uh, you are trying to maintain a conversation with your friend while also eating as much hot pot as you possibly can, because that's what you really care about. Um, and so I played through it once, and uh, I uh, managed to disappoint my conversation partner by eating too much hot pot and not paying enough attention to her. Um, but it's a it's a fun, quirky, weird little game that I would definitely recommend, and it's not going to take you more than a few minutes to experience. Yeah, that sounds pretty reflective of my own experiences at restaurants where... Uh the amount of food you get is dependent on how much you grab. <laughs> yes. Okay. I'll, I'll try and keep, I'll try and get through the rest of these pretty quick. Uh, I played a, a, a sort of a, um, a visual novel. That's like a really short, cute visual novel. It was done for a, a game jam and it's called Sarah or Sari S E R R E. I'm not sure. Maybe Sarah. Um, and it's a very cute visual novel about the romance between a shy sort of shut in girl uh, and a giant bug creature that has come to Earth to conquer it. But it's also very sweet and cute. It's a cartoon, basically. It's like a living cartoon. Um, what stood out to me for it, I mean, is, first of all, as visual novels go, it's extraordinarily short. Um, but it's also uh, very, like nicely like lots of good close-ups and stuff like a lot of visual novels you sort of feel like you're just seeing the same portrait of somebody stand there for a really long time this one does a lot of close-ups and other sort of shots that you know give you more uh more of a dynamic thing this is one of the few that i've actually uh finished because it's extraordinarily short and you can get through it in like 15 20 minutes i think and uh, i just i thought it was very sweet and cute and if you like uh, basically a Yuri visual novel because it was for a Yuri jam. Uh, I would check that one out. Um, I played two shooters. I really wanted to play a shooter uh, for this game, like a shoot 'em up. And uh, I, I played two of them and I didn't find either of them particularly scratch the itch, but I'll mention them both in case they're your thing. Um, Zone of Lacrima is a story driven shooter. So it alternates between sort of uh, very stark, uh, like, futuristic world where humanity has fled the earth and is living in a space colony and, uh, and seems to be very authoritarian and you seem to be some sort of like numbered clone um, and uh, alternates between that and shooter stages where you're being, you know, sent out on missions. Uh, and uh, the shooter stages were pretty good, but didn't quite hit the, what I like out of a shooter. It was, um, it was mostly shooting at like asteroids and stuff and, uh, rather than at like enemy ships and it just sort of felt a little samey throughout um it might be that it gets better as it goes and also i would expect that the the story might develop because i didn't get very far in it um but uh it looked like a pretty promising shooter if you are willing to get through its its like initial stages and get to some more meaty shooting 
Um, I also played Sonar Smash, which is a shooter that I think it was designed for mobile because it's in a vertical orientation, um, but it's very cute. You play as a uh, as a um, dolphin uh, and you're shooting out little sonar waves at very cute little sea life creatures, but I just thought it was a little too simplistic for, for the sort of shooter that I'm interested in. Uh, neither one of them quite scratched my shooter itch, so if you've played any other shooters in the bundle, I know there are a couple more, uh, let me know what's good. Um, I also played Phone Home, uh, P-H-N-H-O-M-E. Uh, it's by uh, somebody we've talked about on the show before, um, Devin Raposo, who did a game that I really, really remember liking from IF Comp one year called um, uh, A Time of Tungsten. Uh, it was an extraordinarily long uh, but really interesting um, piece of twine uh, writing that I really liked. And here he's doing a fully 3D game. And I played it the whole way through and quite thought it was was really neat. Uh, it's a it's a um, like a lo-fi horror kind of thing where you're in a in an apartment that's very poorly lit and there are phones ringing everywhere and you're kind of hunting through a darkened apartment t- to answer phones, but more and more phones keep appearing. And I'll leave it at that, but it's very spooky and interesting and weird. Love seeing the IF comp people uh, in this bundle. I know, I know. I was like, oh, it's that Devin Raposo. Awesome. I'm I'm so glad that I played this. Um, Dusk Child is a game that I've been wanting to play for years. It started out on uh, Pico 8 or Pico 8, the, uh, the fantasy micro console. And uh, it's now got a, I didn't know this existed, and apparently it came with a bundle. Uh, there's a quote-unquote HD version of the original Pico 8 game, which is to say that basically they doubled it from like 120 pixels across to like 240 pixels across or something like that. It's uh, it's not exactly HD, but it's the HD remake. The original is in there too. Um, and it's, uh, it's a sort of a micro Metroidvania with one power-up, um, but it's really well-designed and really kind of self-contained and good. Uh, it's a great little like game. I would one cautionary thing to you there. Um, it's pretty short, but there's no save system. And if you hit the escape key on your keyboard, it quits immediately. So be careful there. I did that to myself, but I did get through it and really, really liked it. Um, (laughs) classic problem. Yeah. Classic, but I, I super recommended it It was really good. Um, and then I guess the last thing that I'll call out, there's a lot of weird non games and artsy things in this bundle. And I played uh, two things that I thought were neat. One was Pixel Fireplace and the other was Just Rain. There's a bit of a through line here. Both of them are like visual toys for your desktop. Pixel Fireplace is exactly what it sounds like. It's a pixel art fireplace that you can burn on your computer. uh, And it has a command prompt where you can type things into it. And uh, not everything does something. But, you know, if you type marshmallow, for example, you can put a marshmallow uh, over the fire and then you can type eat to eat the marshmallow, that kind of thing. Um, and just rain also exactly what it sounds like. It's a rain simulator does sound. It does pixel art rain and you can have a clock show up, uh, if you want. And that's really all there is to it. And I was like, Oh, that's kind of cool. I put it on and listened to that rain for a little bit. So there's stuff like that in this bundle too. Well, that is quite nice. Shane, you played some totally different stuff than I did. Yeah. So the, like you said, there are some non game stuff. There's some unexpected content in this bundle and, and that extends out to a lot of different things. For example, I did notice that there are things that are used to create games. Like some people have put up bundles of game artwork, for example, that you can use in your own game as a part of this bundle. So there's a lot of people who are trying to just sort of put whatever they have into the bundle in support of the cause, which I think is lovely. Um, The thing that 
I gravitated towards is tabletop game content. And there's a surprising amount of uh, adventures or entire tabletop RPG games that are included in this bundle. And, and one of the wonderful things that happened here is one of our listeners, once I started poking around at some of these things and discussing it on our Discord, one of our listeners who goes by the handle Ardia Abe shared with me someone's Google spreadsheet where they had listed out all of the tabletop RPG content that's a part of this bundle. And that helped me find even more that I was excited about. So I've just chosen a few that I want to share with you, Mm. but I'm going to put a link to this spreadsheet into the show notes so that you can look through and find something that'll work for you. The wonderful thing about this spreadsheet, which I actually will, I, I don't know who created this spreadsheet, but they did a lot of work categorizing things. They, they categorize things by the system that you would use it with. So for instance, I, I know you play a lot of fifth edition Dungeons and Dragons, so I was able to filter to that. And there's supplements and, uh, and whole RPGs. Um, they also list out what you will need in order to play it. So things like dice, what kinds of dice, whether or not it's playable online, which is an important thing to understand about games today. So there's a lot there, and I think exploring it and, and finding what you're looking for will be easy once you have some of the resources we're able to share. But let me tell you about some of the things that I particularly liked. One thing I've always enjoyed is there's a contest every year for one-page dungeons. The idea with a one-page dungeon is, as a dungeon master, running a game of Dungeons & Dragons, you'll often have a very light amount of time to sit down and prepare and one page dungeons are everything you need to run a successful dungeon or adventure packed into a single page of notes and there's an there's a uh, a supplement on here uh, that is by a writer who releases things under the name fish in the pot and it's just called one page dungeons so it's easy to find that guy's real name is jeffrey collop And what I like about this is it is broken up by level and they are, um, so you'll have some one that's appropriate for levels one through three, one that's appropriate for level three through seven, uh, two through five and so on and so forth. And so you can find something that's appropriate for your campaign. And I've gone through and read many, many of these now. What I also like about these is that they are not super grounded in a very particular setting and things like that. There's a, there's a, I like to find this kind of content. Um, but a lot of the one page dungeon contests tend to surface things that are really all about, um, something that's really specific, like something that could be maybe a a whole multi-session arc of your campaign, but that's going to tell you a lot about your world and it might not fit into your particular campaign if you wanted to use it, or you'd really have to run something specifically around it. A lot of these are not totally generic in terms of their, their presentation, but they, they hew to a lot of the fantasy tropes that you're going to find in almost every fantasy campaign world. So there's the thing, kind of thing you can drop into almost any campaign, and they give you a lot to go on in a single page. I'll pick an example here. Catacombs of the Necromancer. Your campaign world can probably have Catacombs of the Necromancer in it. And there's going to be things like, you know, that it features 
you know, a table for encounters that are going to be properly balanced for your campaign, uh, uh, rules for running a maze because it's a maze level, uh, a room called Bat Country. So it's fun. It's good stuff. I, I, I would speak pretty highly of this. I would use this myself uh, in one of my own campaigns. Yeah. Uh, so I also run a campaign and I am very interested in this stuff. It can be challenging sometimes to come up with uh, sort of ad hoc, interesting encounters. And this sounds great. Yeah, totally. I uh, The only time that I have DM'd for our group, I used a one-page dungeon, and it was an enormous help because something about it all being on one page makes it feel more manageable, and uh, it, it was a really great session uh, that tied really well into the rest of our thing. Because it's one page, I think there's a certain, like, you know, there's not... Uh, like reams and reams of lore to these things either. It's really just about playability. So like they're they're great. Also, also Reagan's single greatest creative achievement ever, which is the character of Hildo Diddle. <laughs> yeah, nice work, Reagan. Although it was one of those NPCs that you toss off and then that s- sticks around like glue for the rest of the campaign. <laughs> Poor old Hildo. Uh, another thing that I found in this in this bundle that you know my. I happened to spot just because it was right next to the one I was just mentioning is something I that uses an approach I've never seen before. And this is called one page lore. Uh, this one's by a different creator, but the one page lore is basically just um, a bunch of different fantasy races. And then a single page of lore giving you something to go on that defines them and, and makes them unique and special. And this can be really hard for new DMS to come up with, like an interesting take on dwarves, for example. Um, and so here's here's their page on dwarves, and like a, a, a sample paragraph here is uh, that dwarves are not born. When a dwarf or dwarves wif- wish to have a child, they obtain a slab of precious stone from a specific mine in either of the two remaining dwarven cities and carve the simple image of a child out of the stone. Once sculpted, the parents take turns holding the child, allowing it to absorb some of their life force. After some time, the stone figure animates, becoming a dwarven baby. So, um, and this is a 50-page supplement, uh, providing, like, some of the common fantasy races, and then some other things like, you know, mushroom men or undead or um, something called a quiraku, which is a living tree, which... You know, if you're trying to figure out how to work these kinds of things into your campaign world and want some interesting ideas, this would be a fun read. Um, I've kind of read a few of these, but not quite all of them. And there's a lot to go on here. And what I like about this is that it avoids some of the offensive tropes. So if you read their um, page on orcs, for example, orcs are a touchy subject in the fantasy role-playing community. Uh, there are people that have opinions about the stereotypes that are, well, I mean, there are some really nasty stereotypes in some fantasy, and this manages to avoid just about all of them. That's another great one, but let me tell you the thing I'm, there's two more things I'd like to talk about that I'm very, very excited about. One is a tool, and the other is a whole RPG. The tool I'm really excited about is called HexKit. HexKit is a map making tool. One of the things that's hardest for new dungeon masters, especially when they're making a big campaign is building a map of the world that they're happy enough with to put in front of your players. 
having a map is a really immersive thing. It really enhances the game for everyone, helps people understand where they are in relation to other things going on in the world, and makes the world feel alive. If you're playing a game that is focused around exploring that world, having that map built in hexes is traditional. And this is a tool that lets you basically use a bunch of built-in tile sets to make a map just by like a painting program, by painting in things like rivers and cities and coastlines. And it's a really unique and great tool. The results are really nice. It has a lot of different varieties of um, styles of hexes, like pre-made art you can use. And in fact, the bundle even includes some additional sets that include stuff like um, if you wanted to make a star map instead of a fantasy map. So hex kit, really neat, really useful. I will be using it the next time I have to do this, which is uh, not too un- not too uncommon for me when I'm when I'm running games. Um, and then the final thing I want to suggest is something I have been waiting on for a long time. I've been seeing buzz about it when it was going to come out. Um, it has finally been released. I've been holding off on buying it. Uh, just because I didn't quite have time to read it yet, and I know I really want to sink my teeth into it, and that is a whole new RPG called Lancer. Reagan, I know you know oh, about yeah, Lancer. Oh yeah, I do. Very excited to try it. Lancer is created by someone who is his name is Tom Parkinson Morgan, better known for his online comic Kill Six Billion Demons, which he makes under the name Abaddon. Great comic. Um, I think I've mentioned it on the show before. It's an incredible comic. Yes. And his RPG, which he's made with someone named Miguel Lopez, is a mecha combat RPG. Uh, I don't know that much about it yet, but I know that um, Mr. Parkinson Morgan is an incredible world builder, and I'm super hyped to to dive into this. Uh, The art in this book is incredible. It's not just his, although a lot of it is uh, Abaddon's incredible art. There's other really great artists in here. One of my favorite comics artists, uh, James Stokoe, uh, I always mispronounce his name, Stokoe or Stokoe, um, who created the, the comic Orc Stain, is uh, an amazing concept and fantasy artist who really just does amazing stuff with color. And he's got some Beautiful two-page spreads in this book. Just scanning through it. I know I'm really going to get into it. Um, The setting looks incredible, but what I'm really loving is the incredible, incredible mecha art that is just all throughout this book. I I honestly cannot recommend this enough uh, because just just based on the art and and based on my own personal excitement about seeing more world-building from Abaddon. Yeah, and this is so. new stuff too. I mean, it didn't just come out, but like uh, there's a Kickstarter for this game and uh like I am uh I am due a physical copy of this game, but it has not arrived yet and yet here it is already showing up in this bundle. Uh get on this guys. It is a uh it, I've read mm, you know a good bit of it. I'm kind of waiting for the uh for the the physical copy to show up before I really sink my teeth into it, but like what I've checked out so far, I'm very excited to play this game. It's fantastic. I'll also mention by the way I have- that there's a, a, another uh really super well-regarded tabletop game in this called Blades in the Dark that I was very excited to be able to get my hands on. Shane, have you read anything about Blades in the Dark? I don't know that much about it. It comes up a lot um 
in discussion online. It's supposed to be. It's um, it's a sort of I a don't know that theme, much about it. Um, it's sort of a uh, thief themed thing. It's uh, it gets described a lot as kind of um, like dishonored e kind of like dark fantasy thief based stuff. Um, but it's supposed to have a really incredible system that's also been adapted for other purposes too. So there's like um, there's other games that are kind of quote unquote like forged in the dark where they've uh, they've taken the system from Blades in the Dark that's pretty well regarded and adapted it to other genres of of fiction. But I'm really excited to check out Blades in the Dark as well. So um, there are several interesting RPG things in here, but probably the two most interesting to me are uh, Lancer and Blades in the Dark. Because at least for me, I read RPG books basically just as reading because I don't DM really. So I'm kind of like, you know, I'm interested in them um, less less on the like uh, mechanical side and more on the like theming and flavor side. Um, although the mechanics interest me as well. But like both of those are really exciting mm. things. I'm, I'm, you know, I've got the PDFs on my iPad right now. I'm like queuing them up. Yeah, there's a lot uh, of of stuff here. I got a recommendation on our Discord uh, from our supporter Asala or Asale, who suggests something called Gentleman Bandit that he says he played on a date recently, which that's interesting. He says more of a collaborative writing thing where you collaboratively write poems that your bandit leaves at the scenes of his murder robberies based on card prompts. <laughs> wow, that sounds amazing. That sounds like a lot of fun. It's really short. You crank out the poem line by line until you crank out 13 lines, but you can make it harder for yourself by applying a rhyme scheme, for instance. So really interesting. I'm, I'm hope, hoping to try that out. That sounds awesome. Uh, and, you know, we got a lot of really good um, submissions from our uh, listeners. So I'm going to be reading some of those as well here. Before I do get to that, I, I'll briefly call out the things that Laura suggested. Laura, sorry you couldn't be on this episode, um, but she did include some things she wanted us to mention in case people are still looking for stuff to check out. Uh, so a few things that uh, Laura played out of the bundle. Uh, what isn't saved will be lost. She says, Cat Manning is a great Twitter follow, and this is one of her early works that's very much IFE. Uh, you're, a, you're a neuroscientist who's trying to resurrect her dead girlfriend by preserving her memories, but there isn't enough room to save all of them, so you have to choose which ones will be saved and which will be lost. Sounds like a heartbreaker to me. Uh, a Mortician's <laughs> Tale. Ooh, sounds fun. Can't wait to do that. <laughs> yeah, I know. God. Um, a Mortician's Tale. This one looks beautiful, by the way. If you look through the list, uh, like the, the art for this just jumps off the page. Uh, a Mortician's Tale. This has been the game I wanted to exist since I read the nonfiction book Smoke Gets in Your Eyes and the Good Death Movement. Uh, it's a uh, it, it's a game, obviously, about being a mortician and uh, dealing with death, but it's also beautiful looking. So I'm very intrigued. Um uh, Laura says she cannot wait to spend some time with Signs of the Sojourner. Uh, we're going to be doing an episode on that one soon. So I'm very excited that it's in the bundle. Uh, it means that more of our listeners will be able to check out the game. It's also on Switch and stuff. So if you prefer there, that's an option too. But like, this is a brand new game. Like Signs of the Sojourner just came out and it's in the bundle and uh, it's getting good reviews. Um, Laura also mentioned that she's wanting to run. There's a, a game that I would call a tabletop game, but not really because it takes place in a discord. There is a 
uh, RPG-esque thing called This Discord Has Ghosts in It that is a game intended to be run in a Discord. So I'll take this opportunity to mention that, uh, listeners, if you aren't a member of our short game community, you can back us on Patreon, patreon.com slash the short game, and every one of our Patreon supporters, even if you're just giving a dollar a month, gets immediately invited to our Discord, which is where we talk about games, and we'll have a channel going about the bundle for racial justice and equality probably forever because there's so many things in it um but we also may be playing that game as a group in the discord so looking forward to hearing you guys uh there yeah it that sounds awesome if you're in the discord and you want to run that game uh uh, let us know i'm excited to check it out uh, i wanted to check the game out and when i saw it was in this bundle i was like oh damn perfect synchronicity um and the last thing she called out is that she's been wanting to play uh the dominique pomplemousse games for a long time and uh those look really funny and i don't know much about what kind of games they are but there's i think two of them and they're both in the bundle uh which is pretty cool um and she also mentions that uh there's uh other games in there that she uh has played uh and we have not covered and she can vouch for hidden folks uh, is a sort of hidden pictures game. Looks really cute. I think, Shane, you mentioned that you'd played that, right? Yeah, I did. On the iPad, it's kind of a Where's Waldo uh, kind of game. Um, and it's really charming. And the sound is really good. And the art is really simple, but fun. So I definitely enjoy it. It's very relaxing. Yeah. Um, art School, school spelled S-Q-O-O-L, is this super weird, funny game that I have only touched a little bit of, but I I was planning to do an episode on it uh, eventually. So, uh, you know, that's on the list again. Uh, and it's a game about going to art school. And it's a game that asks you to draw with your mouse and create art as a part of the game. But it's also very funny. Um, and also Death and Taxes. Laura mentions that this is basically Papers, Please, But You Are Death, uh, which is a good pitch as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Laura also wanted me to mention that there is a subreddit for this bundle. Uh, so I'll have a link to that in the show notes. And uh, it is uh, probably a great place to go check out if you are wanting a sort of a crowdsourced uh, place to talk about the games included in this bundle. Um, so listener responses. Listeners, thank you so much for the uh, flood of responses that we got. Most of these came in via our Discord, um, and so thanks to our supporters on Patreon there. Um, We have a few people who submitted audio and uh, a few others who submitted uh, their impressions of games uh, via text, so I'll be reading those, or we'll do a round robin. Um, Some of those are are just a quick quick recommend, and others are longer, more review-like, so we're going to go ahead and get through those now. Um, I'll go ahead and start with a couple of reviews from listener David Giza. Uh, David from the Discord, thank you very much, and uh, thanks for your support. Um, He recommended a couple of games that he played. One was Order a Pizza, a visual novel. This is a charming enough short 20 minutes to see the true ending visual novel about life as a divorced dad. Your nameless protagonist lives in a shoebox apartment, and he has clumsily brought his daughter and his new girlfriend together one night to try to force an interaction. To break the ice, he slash you needs a to order a pizza for dinner, but as in all pizza ordering situations, agreeing on topics pr- toppings proves difficult. Initially, you are tasked with just speaking with your daughter and new GF and searching your small one-room apartment to determine what type of pizza to order. But as with all modern visual novels, things take a turn for the strange. Now, here's a spoiler. So if you don't want a spoiler for Order a Pizza, a visual novel, or at least for the structure of it, skip forward by about 20 seconds maybe. Your first order 
uh, of a pizza kills one of your guests. And then you jump back in time, living the same few minutes over and over as you try to figure out what to order and then devise how to escape or end the loop. The gameplay is typically minimal for a VN. Uh, you click through characters, interact with dialogue trees, etc. Um, uh, Dave gave us a really good breakdown here of some of the themes, and I it sounds pretty awesome to me. He says, overall, I think this is a pretty good short visual novel by a team that seems to understand what the genre gets at. Would recommend. Uh, he also mentioned a game called 2001 A Space Felony, or How I Came to Value My Life and Murder Mercilessly. There's some weird names in a lot of this bundle. There's a, you know, if you want your game to stand out, I guess. It's one way. It's one way to do it. Um, grounded entirely in the visual language of 2001 A Space Odyssey, this is the first floating simulator I've played. As you are a detective dispatched to solve the mystery of what exactly happened on a spaceship on a mission to Saturn run by a malicious AI known as MAL, legally distinct from HAL 9000. This game took me a little under an hour to complete. You float around an abandoned spaceship, taking pictures of the crime scene, interrogating the accused AI, and cross-examining him with various evidence that you've found. At its most reductive, the gameplay is similar to Return of the Obra Dinn, or as you have various pieces of evidence you must link up in order to solve uh, several different murders. However, I was a bit disappointed with this aspect. You can basically try cross-examining with all of the pieces of evidence you have uncovered in sequence, so it's pretty easy to brute force your way through. And uh, the evidentiary chains are pretty short and obvious. Additionally, uh, the game is a bit flaggy for an adventure game. It seems like you can only uncover cru- uh, crucial evidence after running into a dead end in the interrogation room. Basically, it looks like some clues are only discoverable when you need them and not earlier. Um, or the game is just really finicky about which direction you can approach and collect evidence. Either way, is a bit of a pain. Uh, as a final point, where the game voice acting is of high quality, the dialogue falls prey to trying too hard to be funny. Uh, and I would have appreciated it if it was a bit a terse like the movie. Overall, a solid and enjoyable 50 minutes. So thanks very much to uh, David for both of those uh, recommends. And I think I'm particularly interested in Order a Pizza, a visual novel, which sounds pretty charming. Somebody want to take next? Yeah, I'll jump in. I will just say, how dare they weaponize pizza that way? How <laughs> dare they? I will say, I I almost talked about a pizza-based RPG that I, I, I'm reaching for the name. I think it's called Pizza Hero. Uh, and it is a tabletop RPG that is designed to be played in the span of time between when you order a pizza and when it arrives. And it involves making up the adventures of the pizza man who... Uh, is coming to save you by delivering pizza to you. I have been lobbying for Pizza Week on this podcast since before the podcast existed. So if it finally... Bird Week time- only! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we could do like chicken pizza. <laughs> then it would fit. That's what I was going to say. Let's combine the two. Uh, good idea. All right. I'm 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 going to read some, uh, some other recommendations. Mm-hmm. Uh, these came from Abram or Ardia Abe, I believe mentioned earlier in the episode yeah, as well. So first so. first thing he submitted was audio. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and play that now. He also submitted some other games he recommended as text. But uh, first, his recommendation of Mouse Ritter uh, submitted as audio. Hello, folks. This is Abram, short game fan, and I'm here to forward my tabletop agenda. I wanted to take the time to talk about Mouse Ritter, a game where you play as treasure-seeking mice. Mouse Ritter has hints of fantasy heartbreakers. It's a d20 roll-under game that cribs the advantage system of D&D 5e. It is a slot-based inventory, light, 
time, and item degradation system that are reminiscent of Torchbearer and serve to highlight the danger of venturing. The layout is clean and the art is consistent and somewhat whimsical. There's plenty of handouts to smooth out play as well. This includes some little cards for playing inventory Tetris, which is pretty cool. Start looking closer, and Mouse Ritter is dripping with flavor. The character creation tables have such fascinating entries as Bat Cultist, Hedge Witch, and Test Subject. Spells are inscribed on Insidian tablets and require special rituals to recharge. Adversaries are likewise full of story seeds. There are owls that build mechanical servants, a snake that is an ensorcelled bit of wood, and a gang of rats called the Trash Knights wearing tin can armor. Character creation is a few dice rolls and random table references, and a character can be made from scratch in just a few minutes, or mere seconds if you use the online generator. These quick start tools extend into the GM's realm as well, with tables for village, map, and adventuring site seeds. You'll be playing in no time with this short little game. This game also has you make a hex map uh, to facilitate the adventure, so why not look into HexKit? It's a mapping program that's also included in this bundle. You should go check that out too. If you want to play as the Mouse Guard or wish D&D heroes were smaller and furrier, you'll find a lot of fun here. Check it out. All right, thank you for that. Uh, So some of his written reviews are Cuckoo Castle, great name. It's an exploration platformer that has three playable characters with unique abilities. Pretty simple but enjoyable for its short length. The unlockable playable characters have enough variety to carry it to the end. Has a very nice Game Boy aesthetic. That sounds nice. I thought this game looked really cute, by the way. Like, I love things with a Game Boy aesthetic. That really, like, works for me. So, um, looks yeah. good. Uh, next one on the board here, Dogs Throwing Swords 2. Uh, great name. Didn't know there was a Dogs Throwing Swords 1. So, uh learning a lot from this bundle uh it is a horizontal shooter where you pick a party of three very good boys each has a different weapon differentiated by the path it takes after firing you can arrange your doggos into three patterns and swap their position in the pattern it's very reminiscent of mercenary force on the game boy it's quite easy but good for 10 to 15 minutes of nice or of cute fun i like my wizard pomeranian uh, just the review is enough to, play to give I was me... just saying that I really yeah. wanted to play a shooter and none of the ones I've played so far really did anything for me, but like, oh yeah. man, <laughs> I'm going to get just this the, the flavor of Ardia's, uh, review here kind of gives me an idea of what this game probably, uh, feels like. And, uh, yeah, that sounds awesome. So that's going up on the list. And then finally, we're looking at bleed Two, another sequel, super fun and fast twin stick run and gun game it has bullet time projectile reflection and a really good uh really good feeling triple jump story is cute and in that mode you have unlimited tries that's nice lots of variety in the bosses and they kept adding uh little gameplay tweaks right up to the end really good action and seems like there's some replayability with the scores you get from levels beat this one about in about an hour uh that sounds particularly up my alley i love a twin stick shooter we've done a few on this show uh yeah and the first one i think bleed one is also in the bundle i think so if they're if they're both about an hour we could could double episode that pretty easily um i would like to check those out because i've seen them uh on steam a couple of times and uh just something about them visually i was like oh that looks fun i should check that out sometime and i've never done it so hey i own it now awesome Mm -hmm. robert hawks on the discord recommends oh. wide ocean big jacket which we already mentioned on the show but 
uh, I do want to thank him because he says some very nice things about us here. <laughs> uh, you love to read it. Big Jacket. <laughs> I love to read it. Is my favorite game I have played this year. It's up there for me, too. It's a wonderful, hilarious experience. It brings me such joy. I'd recommend it to anyone who wants a feel-good story game that lasts less than 90 minutes to complete. I think that's really great for us. That's all we, Of course we want that. It's also how I found this podcast. I was searching for the soundtrack on Spotify. Uh, not on there, by the way. And, and there we like were. One of three podcasts <laughs> that popped up was the short game, and I had to hear it. I've been a fan ever since. Well, thank you. Thanks a lot, nice. Robert. Robert is the also not only is he one of our patrons, but he's the patron saint of Bird Week because of his last name. Yes. So uh, great to have <laughs> well, him you, in the Discord. Call. Um, <laughs> also, one of my favorite Discord denizens, uh, Psychofish, recommends Democratic Socialist Simulator. He says it is plus, plus, plus. I played this a while back. I don't know how many variables it tracks internally, but the choices it gives you feel like part of a story. They're not just random yes or no questions. One other note about the uh, Democratic Socialist Simulator is I did a second playthrough where I decided I was not going to be a Democratic Socialist, and I did just as well. I don't know if it was because I was lucky or the game is actually, quote-unquote, fair and balanced or what. Uh, but I, I don't know. That's a that's a title that I almost played. I'm glad to hear it's a, a cool one. I think it has a bit of a Reigns vibe going. Like, it's about making, like, simple choices, but those simple choices kind of compound and, and create, like, a political situation that you have to navigate through those very simple, like, yes and no's. Um, I, I'm very yeah. interested in it. Also, good art, it looks like. Yeah, this is an overtly political game in an overtly political bundle, which might make it something very appropriate for us to check out. Uh, I also am kind of tempted to try, along those same lines, Tonight We Riot, mm, yeah. which is a, uh, uh, I think, an on-topic game. It should should be mentioned. Yeah, I didn't mention that earlier, but I'm super interested in checking that game out. Tonight We Riot is a game where you play, it's a brawler nominally, but you're playing as a crowd of people, and you're, uh, it's explicitly anti-capitalist. You're, uh, you're going against, like... You're, you know, the people rising up against, uh, like, it's class warfare made into a brawler. I, I think it looks really fun and cool and also maybe a little bit correct for our current moment uh, in, in a way, even though it's a bit over the top. Yeah, that so that's how I feel about Democratic Socialist Simulator, too, is that I feel like I spend so much time talking about that in the real world <laughs> that I am not like ready to also have it be in my video games, but, uh, but I, I should really download it. I, you know, have it now, so might as well play it. So, uh, let's see next on the list. Um, Colin from the discord wrote in with a few short recommendations. Uh, the first couple are ones we talked about, Thanks, uh, Colin. Glittermitten Grove. He said, seems like a cute village fairy game, which is just a nice break from the world. Just now. I like the sunlight management system. It's nice to play a game that's simple with nothing lurking under the surface. Thank you, Colin. Uh, he also calls out a short hike. Uh, Colin says remains a lovely little game about a bird going on a walk and learning to enjoy simple pleasures. Uh, co-signed a short hike is wonderful. And then finally he suggests checking out one nightstand is a really, uh, or one, one nightstand. I was thinking of it's like one, what one a, nightstand. Yeah. What I have a, a nightstand. One nightstand. No. The Ikea yeah. simulator. No, it's one. The way you, the way you said that made me think that was <laughs> like so deliberate to make it clear that it's not about a one nightstand. Uh, 
I mean, hey, maybe it is, and I I haven't played it, so I don't know. But he says, One Night Stand is a really interesting game about the little complexities of having a one night stand, as opposed to having one nightstand. It feels emotional and true. There's definitely a discussion to be had around one night stand. I laughed and then felt genuinely bad. Uh, so if you are having a one night stand, you should have two nightstands <laughs> because where is your partner going to charge her phone? I agree. I agree. Mm-hmm. If you're having one night stands at the very least, you can provide a phone charging. Situation. What a take. Um, and you're working on your, uh, tight five there, Shane, huh? On your, your, your one night stand tight five. Yes. It's going to be really tight. Next one we have from Aiden. Thank you. Uh, Pyre is awesome. Agreed. And loot rascals was criminally underrated. Same dev team also made equally weird slash fun. Frobisher says on PS Vita and later Wilmot's Warehouse. We talked about both of these earlier in the episode. Uh, obviously, Pyro, one of my favorite games of all time. And then Loot Rascals. I am going to go play like when we're done recording. Next review coming in from Hacksaw Unit. The game Ticket is in this. It is very bizarre and inventive platformer where you play as a shoe. I consider it a consider it a personal favorite for how varied and special it feels and the platforming isn't bad either it's maybe a tad uh too difficult near the end and a little clunky well i love a platformer so i actually tried to download this uh it is not run on 64-bit mac so i'm gonna have to get it on uh windows I really, really want to play this. Uh, Hacksaw Unit uh, has recommended it in our uh, Discord a couple of times, and uh, it looks really, really strange in a way that makes me extremely curious about it, and particularly with his recommendation. I also want to take a second to specifically call out Hacksaw Unit was too modest to mention in this. I was going to say the same thing. Yeah, his own game is in this bundle and I cannot recommend it highly enough. Uh, Hacksaw Unit is a game dev and developed a game called Combo Postage that's also available on Itch and on Steam and is in this bundle. And um, it's one of my favorite little, uh, like, I I, kind of want to describe it as like a platform puzzle game. Um, it's a game where you are playing as a sort of like a, a packing and shipping drone in an Amazon like facility. Um, it kind of has a little bit of a, um, like a, uh, a frenetic, uh, Mr. Drillery kind of vibe where pa- packages are piling up and you have to, uh, tape them up and then, um, ship them out and you get high scores for, uh, stacking up high stacks of packages taping them all at once and sending them out in large in large batches as opposed to one at a time um but it's kind of a cool risk reward because packages are constantly falling and you can get crushed by the packages there are exploding packages there are packages that fire lasers and so on um it's kind of a amazon warehouse game. yeah it it's exactly right and it's really really good um this is one of those things where like yeah I don't want to sound like a like a terrible person here, but you ever get that feeling like somebody sends you a thing? They're like, hey, I like your podcast or whatever, and they send you a thing that they have made, um, in this case, a game. And it, your initial reaction is, hmm, I'm sure I'll get around to checking that out eventually. Uh, you know, you, you don't immediately think like, wow, this is going to be one of my favorite things I've played in ages. Um, it was, though. Like, it really surprised me. Like, I put off playing it for a really long time thinking like, hmm. 
how good could it be, right? <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then I played that it, and very it was nice awesome. person who came into our Discord. Yeah, how good I know. Could that be? I know. It made me feel like such an asshole for like putting off playing it for so long because also it's fantastic. It's really good. So like I, uh, you know, totally unbiased by the fact that Hacksaw Unit occasionally sends us money as part of our Patreon. This is a great game to check out on the on the deal, and I'm so glad he included it in the bundle so more people can play it. That said. If you want your game reviewed on the short game, the <laughs> easiest way is to directly give us money. The short game is for sale. <laughs> Listen, uh, I think we need to have a talk about ethics in gaming journalism. <laughs> uh, but yeah, thanks to Hacksaw it's a podcast, Unit baby, for uh, for uh, for you know for donating to us, but also for donating his game to the cause of social justice. Yeah. So check it yeah, out, please it's do. Great. It's really really good. Uh, and then the last thing that I'll play here is a uh, audio. Uh, commentary from listener Spinda, who sent in their thoughts on The King's Bird. The King's Bird is a 2D platformer game about flight. You play as a young girl who steals the power of flight from the titular king and uses it to explore the world outside the walls of the kingdom through lush, wet jungle environments and ancient decaying stone ruins peppered with murals depicting events from the long-lost history of the kingdom. On the surface, this sounds like it would be a meditative experience, where you're gently floating through each level, but that's really not the case here. The King's Bird is actually a precision platformer, a series of acrobatic challenges requiring mid-air maneuvers which can get really tight. I'll confess, I've never really loved a pure 2D platforming game. I think the only Mario I finished was Mario 2. So I was surprised when the one that finally clicked for me was this kind of hardcore precision platformer. The King's Bird gives you a small toolbox of mechanics to work with. There's your standard jump, of course, and once you're in the air, you can hold down one button to start a time-limited glide, which slows your rate of descent and lets you pull off U-shaped swoops, which take your momentum from diving and send it off in another direction. Another button triggers a kind of burst of energy. If you press it at the same time as the jump button, you jump farther and can bounce off walls. If you hold a stick in the right direction instead, then when you hit a wall or surface, you follow the surface in that direction. These energy bursts also extend glide time, so you want to be touching off on surfaces as you go. The Kingsbird is all about combining these three mechanics to execute flight. So when you're zooming through a map, doing dives and loops and skips, it's not because you've held a flight button to fly, but because you've earned that flight, which is way more satisfying. When you really get into the flow of this game, it feels so good. The solid gameplay is paired with some really pretty art. Everything is built up of layers of colored, misty shadows and silhouettes, sort of like colorful parallax shadow puppets. The soundtrack is kind of small. You will hear the same tracks again and again and across levels, but it never became grating, I think, probably thanks to the excellent sound design. Not just the pleasing sound effects, but every track in the soundtrack has the bass version and also an alternate version with a choral melody layered on top, which the game seamlessly switches into when you're gliding through the air. The effect is very mystical, kind of like a what you'd hear playing over broad panning shots in documentaries about birds in flight. I'll play a bit of what this sounds like in motion.
One last note about the precision platforming aspect. The devs have pretty much perfected the very quick try, fail, try again loop. Checkpoints are pretty generous, and when you do end up plumbing to your death, as you will hundreds of times, it's a quick fade to black and you're almost immediately back up on your feet ready to try that leap again. Even though it's almost always quicker to just let yourself fall and respawn, I actually kind of often find myself dash jumping back up a pit or pulling off a swoop and glide emergency recovery maneuver back to the platform I started from, because it's usually possible to recover from a fall in this game. There's almost always something you can do. The game never lets you feel that sense of powerlessness that's present in other precision platformers when you miss a jump and you're forced to feel bad as you watch your character just drop out of the air. And that's because The King's Bird is a game about empowerment and freedom and seizing control of your own destiny. And it's reflected not just in the premise, but also in these mechanics. And I think that's why this one grabs me where other entries in the genre haven't. And thank you so much to Spinda and thank you to all of our listeners who contributed their thoughts or even who just contributed to the bundle and to the cause of racial justice and equality. Uh, don't stop there. Uh, look for the uh, the funds and other ways that you can and look for protests and look for other ways that you can uh, support this cause. It's an important one. Um, if you listener have games that you play in the bundle that you think are good, either whether they're good for the short game or just good generally, I want to hear about it because I'm still sort of sifting through this massive dump of games myself. Um, so a good way to get in touch with us is www.theshortgame.net where you'll find a contact form or you can email us info at theshortgame.net or you can find me specifically on Twitter at Reagan K. That's R-A-Y-G-A-N-K. Of course, you can also reach us on the Discord if you're one of our patrons. So we're on Patreon, patreon.com slash the short game, where you'll get an instant access to our Discord. Um, Nate, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at NateSTL. And Shane, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at 8BitShane. Black Lives Matter, defund the police, and thank you for listening to the short game. <laughs>